0: Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every week, I have a new rookie on to discuss how they've built their mortgage business in this challenging market. And this week, I have Nick Hill. And Nick has been in the mortgage business for just under two years. And interesting story about Nick is he created a podcast, two podcasts actually, one that led into the second one that he has right now, which is called the Canadian Real Estate Investor podcast and that show gets over 50,000 downloads a month which is amazing. I decided since he's got a podcast and I'm a podcaster I'm like I got to talk about what he did with that. And so talks about how in this first year he did, you know, 12 mortgages and now he's got a whole bunch more in the pipeline this year, a lot of it from the podcast. So I'll jump into that in a sec. At the end of this episode I'm actually going to talk about if you want to create a podcast. This is something we've been asked about a ton. And we have a service that you can actually use to get a podcast produced, if that's what you want to do. But I'll do that at the end once you listen to this conversation with Nick, because I personally think podcasts are great. Uh, Before I jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, FINMO. FINMO is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform. It's very easy for borrowers to use, so as you're filling out that application, it knows auto-magically, yes, that's a word, auto-magically, what documents that they need, and then it will send them a list. And often when people are filling out apps, they have some or all of their documents there, and we're finding more and more of them are actually submitting app and docs at the same time, which is fantastic for underwriting purposes. It also is connected to Lender Spotlight, which is a cool tool for searching rates and guidelines. Check them out at lendesk.com finmo, and check out this conversation with Nick. Hey, Nick. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Scott. It is a pleasure to be here. Longtime listener, first time guest.
0: Yes. And you have fantastic audio, which we'll talk about in a sec, because (laughs) you do have your own podcast that you run. So maybe before we talk about some of that stuff, tell me about your journey to becoming a mortgage broker. Like, What were you doing before and what got you into wanting to even do this?
1: For sure. Yeah. Great question. So where do I even start here? I had always had a, a knack for being an entrepreneur, started several small businesses. I'm in my early, mid 30s right now. And from the age of 20, I had started businesses, always wanted to be my own boss, wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was always attracted to real estate. So after. Realizing I didn't want to be a lawyer, I went and took construction engineering management at George Brown and got into the construction side of things. Spent several years there as a project manager, worked at an architecture and engineering firm actually in Vancouver where I was born and raised. So I'm familiar with your beautiful hometown of Kelowna. Fast forward, I had several different jobs, I spent some time in commercial real estate space and the business development space in downtown Toronto, You know, putting together office tower projects. I wanted to get more on the business side of things and I wanted to take, you know, a bit control back of my life. So I basically bought a property, bought a duplex after going to numerous of these, you know, I kind of had that analysis paralysis you hear about in the investing community basically just means that, you know, you want to do something, but you can't, you spend, you know, years doing due diligence, which I got stuck in about four and a half years ago, bought my first rental property. It was amazing. Went in and did all the work myself, all that good stuff, bought another rental property. But through that, through those first two specifically, I worked with a mortgage agent and I didn't have the best experience. She was great, but she wasn't An investor focused mortgage agent. And I just felt like, okay, you know, I know the construction, I know the real estate, I'm fairly decent at, you know, starting and growing businesses, but I didn't know anything about the finance side. And I realized, okay, well, that's a pretty important side of things, especially if I want to grow and scale a large real estate portfolio. So I got my mortgage license. And at that point, I had hooked up with a great friend of mine and a figure in the Canadian real estate. Community Daniel Fos, who I also have the podcast with, he introduced me to his mortgage agent and his very good friend. And they agreed to take me on. So yeah, that was about a year and a half, two years ago that I've been active. Sorry about how got I got okay, here. So,
0: and project management is actually a really interesting. I think mortgages are a lot like project management in terms <laughs> of like you got to come up with a plan. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then there's a lot of moving parts in it to actually do a good job. And so you recognized that there could be an opportunity in mortgages. So then what date did you get licensed and how did that first year go?
1: Oh, the date, I'm not going to be able to remember that off the top of my head. Um, sometime like two summers ago, basically. You know, The first couple months were good. They were hard. It was exciting. I was doing probably what most early mortgage agents do, which was just canvassing anybody and everybody that I'd ever met and spoken to and knew who I was. And I had made myself pretty obvious. Like, again, I'd started several other businesses. So a lot of the people that followed me or that knew me, knew me as a business person, as an entrepreneur. So when they saw me start this, it wasn't, I think, a shock to many people, but obviously there was that, you know, I still had to build trust. I didn't know what I was doing. Okay, I like
0: you, but can I trust, can you do this particular thing? Exactly, right? right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're a nice guy, but, you know, I'm not going to give you the responsibility of funding this million dollar mortgage for my dream home. So I was extremely lucky to be teamed up with my partner, an amazing husband and wife team that really and I still rely on them to this day. Um you know, I'm still not as confident as I should be to do things by myself in certain aspects. But the good thing is, we've kind of almost developed a bit of a workflow. Whereas I'm very front facing, I'm very business development, which is my background, sales and marketing. So I'm great at bringing clients in, doing those discovery calls, explaining everything to them, and then I do still rely on my partners that have that product knowledge, those lender yeah. relationships that have been there for a decade.
0: Right, that makes sense. Okay, so then. Uh, In your first year in the business, so you don't mind, do you remember how many files approximately you did?
1: Yeah, I closed 12, which was awesome because I've been listening to you and I know that the first 10 are uh, the The hardest. hardest They are, yeah. I I had an Excel spreadsheet with the title, The Road to 50 Deals. Obviously, didn't get anywhere close to there in the first year. But yeah, I I closed 12, which I thought was a pretty good start. I've done five already this year. It's March 1st, and I've got about 20 plus more active people right now.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Your pipeline. And so when did you start the podcast? So one of the things I'd love to dive into more is you have this podcast you started, maybe just explain to our listeners what the podcast is. And then I want to know when you actually got that thing going.
1: Yeah, appreciate you uh, bringing that up. So the podcast is called the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. That podcast has been live for just going on eight months now, but I was still podcasting maybe for almost the better part of a year before that. The one before that was called Brick and Mortar. You can still go find the stuff on YouTube. And it's hilarious to see how far we've come in, in such a short time. But the podcast we have now is, you know, I was a massive fan and uh, Bigger Pockets played a huge role in where I am today and why I wanted to get into real estate and why I was so obsessed with all this stuff. But there wasn't really any Canadian content like that. And I had right. sought out and found and listened to dozens, if not hundreds of hours of Canadian content, but I was still. I felt like there was something missing. We almost wanted to start essentially real estate school through podcasting. Now, I'm talking about real estate under the umbrella of real estate includes all the different asset types of real estate from residential to multifamily to commercial, industrial, et cetera. It also includes the financing of all those things from residential and commercial financing, private financing, et cetera, and then of course, construction. So that umbrella of real estate, I felt there was a gap and my partner and I really decided to take a different approach. So we've done, we're just uh, recorded episode 68 yesterday. We've only had three guests on and those guests are like, either very famous people or subject matter experts. So they'd be like a paralegal that knows the landlord tenant board inside and out, or it'd be an accountant, a real estate accountant that is going to tell you, you know, why you should be buying your real estate in a corporation instead of your personal name or providing you tax tips. Or as I just mentioned, you know, before we hopped on here, we have the amazing opportunity to go interview Chip Wilson, who's the billionaire founder of Lululemon and also owns a cool 2 billion worth of real estate between Vancouver and Seattle. So we really wanted to provide a data-driven approach almost to the point where we were spending hours and hours researching these episodes so that people could go away and take what we had there and use it in their, you know, whether you're a real estate agent, a mortgage agent, someone in construction or just, right. you know, someone looking to invest, yeah, yeah, a consumer looking to invest, we were providing them honest and valuable insights into the market.
0: Right, interesting. And so how much your business has come from that podcast?
1: Yeah, um, a lot these days. Um, it's so you it, said
0: you got like five files closed, another 20-ish in the pipeline. How many of those would you say are directly tied to your podcast? Probably
1: 70% of them at this point, right. maybe a bit less right now. But the great thing is the podcast has also provided legitimacy with me among other industry professionals. So now we've got real estate agents that are listeners to the podcast that I was engaging with before or even before I got my mortgage license because I was still active yeah. and trying to be a real estate investor. Those agents that saw me a couple of years ago and then like, okay, yeah, well, Nick got his license. That's great. I already have five mortgage brokers and other ones calling me every week for business. Well, I've been lucky enough that some of those people have actually come back to me and said, hey, look, like I want to work with you or I've got investor clients that want right, to work with a right. guy like you.
0: Yeah, it does give you credibility, especially when you've grown. And so then Tell me about the growth of the podcast in terms of you know downloads from when you guys started. I think brick and mortar is a good name, but there's a lot of content available, so I think having Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is way more. I would know what that is just by the name. Yeah, could be, you know, could be anything. Uh, exactly.
1: Yeah, uh, the name's hilarious because there can be no mistaking it, and I think that, along with several other things, has helped with the amazing growth that we've seen. And just like your mortgage business, you know, we've treated this like a business since we started. So, you know, I think the first month we had about 10,000 downloads. Now we're getting about 50,000 downloads and still actively growing between five and 7% a month. So the goal is to get to 100,000 downloads a month. And, And really our goal is to create a national community and help to train and build a community around that next generation of real estate investors and real estate professionals. Right. And mortgage professional as well. Sorry, I keep saying real estate. I'm just using that as an umbrella term general, for, for, for everything. everything. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's interesting. The thing I found about having a podcast, even before I had a podcast, I used to have a like when I first started the mortgages, I, I had an AM call in show, like nice. AM radio. And so I found I could get access to economists, to you know, authors, university, like the guy Moshi, Mal- I can't remember his name, the York University guy who did all the studies on variable versus fixed. I had him on my show you just reach out and say, Hey, I'm with AM11. There could be 20 listeners. They don't know. They're just like, I'll come on your show because it's it's media. And so media does provide a backstage pass to people that like Chip Wilson, how do you get in front of that guy? Like you're not getting in front of him, but you have a large platform and now you can get in front of Chip, but then that builds your credibility as well as your reach. And exactly. um, so I love the podcasting format and i like it's long form which means that you feel like you know people even if you don't know them you know i saw people in real life that i listened to and i'm like "Ah," i was gonna write like they don't know who i am i'm like (laughs) shoot i gotta remind myself just because i know them but they don't know me right like so that's really interesting and so tell me about like the prep that goes into creating something like this so if somebody's like listening this and wants to go i'd like to do a podcast of some kind where would they start Yeah. You
1: know, the podcasting space is funny because when we first started out, we were trying to leverage it with like our internal brokerages and with certain other people. And we almost kind of got like, oh, that's cute. You guys have a podcast, a little pat on the back. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of our agents or a lot of people have podcasts kind of thing. And it's true. And then, you know, I have a lot of respect for anyone that starts and continues the podcast, I emphasize the continue because there's some crazy stat that even if you just make it past 21 episodes, you're now in the 90 percentile of podcast creators because no one makes it that far because no one realizes how much work it actually is. And Us being the geniuses that we are made it even more work. (laughs) So, we don't have guests, our format's a little different. We really do deep dives and it's really based around a lot of data, right? So, instead of having guests on and having great conversations, which was the premise of the first one, and just as you said, it gave us access. And, you know, anyone that we had on that podcast would pick up my phone call, you know, any time of day or night, and I consider them all friends. It was amazing. This one, we, again, we wanted to do the real estate school aspect. So we'll spend literally hours researching, referencing, pulling data, pulling charts. You know, our show notes are extensive. They can be, you know, pages of stuff and we don't, it's not scripted, but, you know, we need some script there because we are speaking a lot of numbers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you could say, yeah. So it makes the conversation flow. And because there's two of you, you can riff on each other and then he says something and you say something and and you can look at your notes and come back like from a- exactly
1: yeah. yeah and then just to jump on that like the two of us makes it great because you know i'm a simple guy at the end of the day i uh and at the beginning of the day <laughs> all throughout yeah. the day my uh i've been doing this for about five years the mortgage side for less than two but i feel like i've come a long way and that's because my co-host has been doing it for about 12 to 15 years and i've just been able to surround myself with people that have really forced me to elevate myself so the podcast offers you know, from my perspective, which is a bit more novice and and new to Dan, who is my co-host who is extraordinarily smart and very data-driven, very micro and macro economic focus. So I think we've got a really good cadence back and forth being able to speak to. And we've got listeners, you know, like some of the directors at like First National and MCAP and some of the big banks are listeners. And we've gotten some amazing calls from people that were like, wow, this massive developer listens to the podcast. That's crazy. All the way down to, you know, the 19-year-old kid in Saskatoon that's trying to figure out how to buy his first rental property kind of thing. So it's been really amazing.
0: Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Personally, as a fan of podcasts, as soon as they came available, I was like, I like this medium because I always like to listen to when I'm doing something else. Like the thing about podcasts are it's zero net time for the most part. Like I do it when I'm walking, running, you know, driving somewhere in the car, there's all this kind of dead time that I'm like, I love to keep my brain occupied. And so I consume a ton of podcasts and so I don't consume my own podcast because that would just be weird, but there's a few that I would listen to again. There's one that came up recently, this guy Wally that I interviewed, honestly, that one was like fantastic. And this guy is a mortgage guy down in Texas. He believes in working 24 seven. So 24 hours a week, seven months a year. I'm like, oh, tell me more. Wow. And, his, and he does okay. like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in mortgages. Like we're not talking like he's not doing 10 million a year. He's doing like massive volume wow. and- so he works seven months, twenty-four hours a week, and I'm like, that is,
1: I need a- to get on that.
0: Yeah, so check out that one if you just haven't chance. I I will
1: for sure. Yeah, and, and I and I'm the same way as you. You know, I think. As an investor, I did a lot of driving. And even when I was in the corporate world, you know, I'd commute and I'm in Toronto. So I'd even take the subway. And I I always had my AirPods in, listening to podcasts, just constantly learning and consuming. There's so much great information out there. I think anyone's just doing themselves a disservice if you're not taking advantage of that, at least in your spare time on a walk, on a run, in the gym, in the car, you know, utilize that time.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's fantastic. Okay, so the podcast has been a huge hit for you guys in terms of the time that you put into it. How do you promote the show once it's done? So, like, now that you've got your show, we said one of them was Does Burr work in Canada? You know, buy, renovate refinance, rent, rent, rent,
1: rent refinance, refinance repeat. repeat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Repeat. And then, so that's a common model in the U S and I have a friend who bought a place in Indianapolis and it actually worked down there because the pricing was low and the rents were high. It, it but, would yeah. <laughs> but in Canada, I suspect it'd be very challenging, but once that show is created, what happens to it then? Cause 50,000 downloads a month is a good number. So like, what are you doing to get people in front of it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of obviously um, self-promotion through our existing Channels and platforms: YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it. We were lucky enough to have that larger network, kind of our what we call our podfathers. Podfathers. Hey, they, I like uh, that a lot. yeah, no, it's fantastic. They were a huge help, obviously, right? I mean, as I said, they get almost 200,000 downloads a month, so they hyped us up on the first couple episodes. You know, we haven't taken out any ad space or anything that's kind of crazy. It's grown a lot organically, and, and what we've done is anytime we get an email or a DM or anything. I respond to it i've hopped on probably hundreds of calls with people across the country over the last several months it's probably one of my favorite things to do even though it hasn't been so profitable yet but i ask everyone and i really try to you know build personal connections with these people and then from there they become your network and they go and start you know preaching the good word of you got to listen to this so the amount of just natural shares and natural growth that we've experienced as well has been amazing i think that's because we're putting out great content so we've just been lucky enough to catch the right people's ears. And then we've seen certain organizations, you know, whether it's real estate agencies, mortgage agencies, property management companies that they literally get their employees to listen to our podcast. So I mean, like right. I'm a Guelph graduate. I know there's a professor there that makes his classes listen to it. So it's been a massive blessing. I you know I can't take all the credit for the growth. It's just one of those things, but we've been doing everything we can to grow it right. I mean we post on social media and all that good stuff but you know the growth has been amazing. and every single time that someone reaches out, uh, you know I give them as much free information as much value as I can without asking anything in return other than can you please share it with a friend, rate the podcast five stars and write us a review. So we've gotten over 500 five star ratings and 100 written reviews in, in the last less than eight months.
0: Yeah, so that will definitely drive a ton of more yeah. listeners. And so that's amazing. Okay, so in terms of your mortgage business, then, so you've got the podcast that's worked well, is there anything else that you've done to help grow your mortgage business?
1: Yeah. I mean, early on, like the podcast was nothing essentially, right? I mean, we, as I said, we did it for an equal amount of time, if not longer. And it was, you know, we got a couple hundred listens and views on YouTube and I don't think I got any business from it. So back then, and and what I'm still doing is trying to add as much value as I can to realtors. So, you know, targeting top performing realtors, building a relationship with them. And then on social media, I try to remain pretty active and I try to create shareable things, not just things that people laugh at. I mean, I again, I'm, you know self-deprecating. I'm all about that making a fool of myself online. I've got no problem with that. I think yeah. that also builds trust with people. They see you're not just a weird, serious robot trying to do mortgages. So I try to just be myself. And I just put that out there, and I've been able to develop a lot of great relationships with realtors. And then people just come to me on the more investing side of things because, you know that's kind of what I've branded myself as. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a mortgage agent that works, you know, with, investor focused clients. Not that I'm, you know, most of the stuff I'm working on right now is probably 50-50 investor to first time home buyer that maybe wants to be an investor or, you know, we've got three condo deals going on right now. Only one of them is a, you know, quote unquote investment. So, you know, obviously we'll do just about anything, but you know, all the same tactics that you preach and that any other good mortgage agent is out there doing it, treating it like a business, getting out on socials, getting out in front of as many people as possible.
0: Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. The whole podcast thing, I think is, you know, you'd said something about 21. I remember reading before that most podcasts die at six, like six episodes. And so I actually recorded, when I created Out of Mortgage Broker, I recorded 10 before I even launched it. So were all done I was <laughs> Just like, to make
1: sure. There we like, go. If I'm
0: going to die, I'm going to die at least a lap and a half around the average. This was back I ago, love like, it. seven years ago. And you're playing the long game with the podcast. Like really, yeah. the thing is, is that, you know, where I am in Kelowna, there's a lot of vineyards and they tell me, I'm not a wine expert, but if you wanted to plant a vineyard it takes seven years from like seed to ball and people do it because they're like hey this is how it works now if you stick to podcasting for seven years even if you kind of sucked it would work yeah <laughs> as you as, as you pointed out most people don't stick to it but the reality is that you have to play the long game with it and consistency so you guys are putting out two episodes a week have you always been two a week or did you just increase the frequency like tell me about that
1: yeah. so again, in back in the brick and mortar days, it was one or two a month kind of thing, and we'd miss one here and there. But, you know, I want to focus on the word that you said right there is consistency. You know that, whether it's podcasting your mortgage business, your drop shipping business or your coaching business or whatever the hell business it is, consistency is so key. So we have never missed an episode. They come out Tuesday and Friday at five a m. And, you know, our listeners know that now, just like, you know, consistency in following up with agents, consistency in following up with clients. That's a vital part of success in any business.
0: Right. Okay. I'm going to actually pivot. Now that we've hijacked this entire podcast this is sponsored <laughs> by, you know, Canadian Real Estate Investing Podcast. That's what it's called, right? I'll yeah. put a link in the show notes to it.
1: That'd be amazing. Uh,
0: so I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions so you can sure. answer shorter answers. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google?
1: I'm a pretty open book, so you can find out a lot about me on Google if you dive deep. I am a massive Formula One fan. I've got three younger brothers, and my parents and I, and we all try to watch them together as often as we can. I'm so, a big Formula One fan.
0: Nice. My son is 16, and so he wants to get into motorcycle racing. And oh, nice. So I have nice. him booked for lessons at the Mission Track down in Lower Mainland, and so I have no interest in racing motorcycles, and I'm like, you... Fill your boots, man. I'll come and be your pit crew. That but, is a uh,
1: badass sport. Good for him. That's. It, it, uh... <laughs> and here's the thing about:
0: uh, he turned 16, and so I took him to Vegas. We went to a Raiders game, and he loves cars and stuff. Me, I can't change the oil. I can I know where to go to get the oil changed, but I know nothing <laughs> about cars. Marketing is my thing. Sales, forget about cars. But anyway, so we go to the dream racing place, and I'm like, I wonder if they'll let him, you know, drive a Lamborghini at 16 with a learner's. They didn't care, man. Vegas is like, we don't care. Rotterdam Only was like, in Vegas. In Vegas, he got that thing up to one hundred ninety kilometers an hour. And wow. The thing about, and I did it as well, and is that it's all gas or all brake. There is no. He's like, you're feathering the brake. I'm like, I'm not used to just. Hammering the brake and the gas like that, like it's not like normal driving. Like
1: no, now, no. I, I love cars, but uh I drive a Hyundai Elantra Hybrid
0: right now, so I so drive that. didn't hammer it to the floor. <laughs> it's like, say, it's gonna yeah. go when it goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, I highly recommend if you're into cars, next time you go to Vegas, go to Dream Racing. And for uh, sure, the podcast is sponsored by Dream Racing. Ding. It's <laughs> good. Uh, so, what a movie every should watch at least once.
1: You know, I've heard a lot of people answer this one because I've listened to your show, obviously, and uh, I wanted to say something I'd never heard anyone say, and I love movies. I had a couple up here, but I watch this every Christmas with my family. It's a wonderful life.
0: Oh, yeah, it's an old one.
1: Yeah, it's an oldie, Uh but if you haven't seen it, it has some amazing life lessons in there. Bit of a tearjerker as well. And yeah, uh, it's no, got no, a bit of a no,
0: no, no, it's not. We're not talking about that.
1: Bit of a business element as well. I, I can't help myself. I love business so much yeah. that I, I always look for that. And you know, my favorite TV shows are either HGTV stuff or Dragons Den and Shark Tank. And I always look for, you know, business type movies, but uh, you know, that one's a good one. It's got a little bit of the business aspect, but it's just really got some great values in it as well.
0: Have you seen the movie Joy? It's about the girl who made the mop that you could Squeeze out. It's actually an entrepreneur movie. It's crazy. It's no, a great movie. so I haven't. you should look up the movie Joy.
1: Yeah, I know what um, I'm doing later.
0: Yeah, she's so basically struggling financially. It's a great movie. Entrepreneur movies, but very inspiring, and it's based on a true story. All right. So, what are three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without?
1: Obviously, you know the logic stuff and any of the backend systems that we use on the mortgage side of things. I'm fairly attached to my phone and laptop. They're usually with me. My calendar, all like the stuff I use for marketing, which is Instagram and all the podcast stuff. So like Omni and and Audacity, uh, Slack, Zoom, all the Microsoft programs. Hard to pick three.
0: Yeah. The great part about our business is there's a lot of great tools out there. And then if you were to start over again tomorrow, was there anything you'd do different?
1: I probably would have just gone harder, faster.
0: Right. In what way do you mean though by that? like,
1: you know, just with everything that I'm doing now, I probably would have just amped it up a little bit more if I could have, you know, there's always a bit of self-doubt in the beginning. You know, sometimes, and I know it's a question you ask other people is, you know, did you ever have that self doubt when you started? And I definitely did, right? I mean, I had had some very high paying corporate business development jobs with very nice, cushy expense accounts. And I left all of that. I'd started and sold a business, which gave me some capital to buy one of those properties and gave me a little wiggle room. But, you know, coming from the commercial real estate and the longer sales cycle of things, mm-hmm. you'd think I'd know that, you know, closing a mortgage. And, you know, even if you close one in your first three months, you're still probably waiting another month or two to even get paid. So I think I would have just, you know, gone harder, faster.
0: Right. Yeah. That's good advice, man. So where do people find you online?
1: My buddy, Nick. So you add me and we're buddies.
0: I just followed you on Instagram. I'm, nice. getting, I'm learning the Instagram. So follow me on there too, if you're on Instagram. For
1: sure. I yeah, it. no, I will. I will immediately. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place. Reach out Instagram or Twitter. I started a TikTok. I'm not too active on there. And then, you know, the podcast, we have an email there. I have a mortgage email. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm a pretty easy guy to find and get a hold of.
0: Right. That's awesome. Well, Nick, it's been great to chat with you, man. I'm going to go check out your show. Anybody listening, I encourage you guys to go check it out and, and- keep crushing it.
1: Thanks so much, Scott. Appreciate it.
0: All right, thanks for uh, listening to that conversation with Nick and as you can tell, I mostly just talk about podcasting because that's not every day I get to talk to someone. As a side note, my brother is a real estate agent in Calgary and he's a new, he got into it not that long ago and he said, hey, I wanna start a podcast. And initially he had this idea to start something very broad and I'm like, you should make it narrow. And so his is a investing in Calgary real estate podcast. And you know, his show is not that old. He's already closed four or five real estate transactions directly from his show. And it's given him a backstage pass to people in this community, as well has built credibility. And he's learned a ton. Go check out his show as well. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes for you to check out. We produce his show and we produce a bunch of other shows. So if you're interested in finding out if we could produce a show for you, we wouldn't do everybody's show, but if it's the right type of show, we may be considered doing it. Shoot an email to me, Scott and my team will reach out to you and let you know what that could look like. So if you want to have a podcast, that's something you want to do. But as he talked about, don't start this if you're not going to stick with it because it is a fabulous vehicle for marketing for growing your reach but not if you do it for you know six episodes and quit and i know that nick i'm going to definitely check out your show so thanks for coming on with me and thanks again for listening to this episode this is an i love mortgage brokering production